calling all office leaders and game changers. Score big this season with At Work Office Furniture, your winning strategy for workspace excellence. Picture this, premium commercial furniture delivering a championship-level experience. From rapid deliveries to custom visual plans, At Work ensures every piece is an all-star player. For over 40 years, At Work has been crafting office success stories across Canada. Need a winning team without the hefty price tag? Head over to www.atwork.ca. They are not just furnishing offices. They're creating spaces where business champions thrive. Contact Rodney and his team at hello at atwork.ca. Mention Kelly and the Business Development Podcast for an exclusive touch. Your victory starts here at Atwork, where every workspace transforms into the ultimate arena for success. Don't just dream it. Achieve it with Atwork Office Furniture. That's www.atwork.ca. Thanks for listening to a word from our sponsor. Let's get back to the show. Welcome to episode 110 of the Business Development Podcast. And for today's expert guest interview, we are doing part two of What is the Business Development Bank of Canada? Today, we're chatting all about advisory services with Jason Garner. Stick with us. This is an awesome episode, and you are not going to want to miss it. The great Mark Cuban once said, business happens over years and years. Value is measured in the total upside of a business relationship, not by how much you squeezed out in any one deal. And we couldn't agree more. This is the Business Development Podcast, based in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and broadcasting to the world. You'll get expert business development advice, tips and experiences, and you'll hear interviews with business owners, CEOs, and business development reps. You'll get actionable advice on how to grow business. Brought to you by Capital Business Development, capitalbd.ca. Let's do it. Welcome to the Business Development Podcast. And now your expert host, Kelly Kennedy. Hello, welcome to episode 110 of the Business Development Podcast. We are on part two of our interview and educational episode about Business Development Bank of Canada. We are absolutely, absolutely pumped to do this series. Today, I would like to introduce to you Jason Garner a seasoned professional with an illustrious career in sales and sales leadership, now making significant contributions as a key member of the Business Development Bank of Canada, BDC. Born and raised in Edmonton, Alberta, with over 25 years of experience, his impressive journey includes pivotal roles in renowned national companies such as TELUS, Granger, Grand and Toy, with a predominant focus on the oil and gas industry for the past 15 years. While Jason achieved notable success in the oil and gas sector, he harbored a deeper desire to utilize his experience for a more meaningful purpose. Today, as an integral part of the BDC, Jason channels his passion for helping entrepreneurs and small businesses succeed. Armed with extensive industry knowledge, he guides and advises, believing in providing everyone with an opportunity to achieve their goals. Beyond his professional pursuits, Jason is a devoted father, finding fulfillment in coaching his two teenage daughters' activities. His commitment to their development mirrors his dedication to fostering success in others. In his moments of relaxation, Jason enjoys the tranquility of the lake, embodying a harmonious balance between career and personal life. Join us today as we welcome Jason Garner, a driving force at the intersection of experience, passion, and commitment as he continues to make a positive impact within the Business Development Bank of Canada. Jason, it's an honor to have you on the show. That's the greatest introduction in the history of the world, so thank you very much. I gotta record that. I gotta record that and enter every room like that. It'll be great. No, really pumped to be here. Thanks very much. Uh, I know the first time we met, it was uh, you know we hit it off right away. And when you told me uh, that this was this was doable, I was just I was in hundred percent. Thanks very much for the intro. The honor is very much mine. Uh, when Tara introduced us, uh, yeah, I knew immediately that I wanted to do this series. That this series was something that would be meaningful to Canadians across the country. Frankly. 
Um, the Business Development Bank of Canada is, a, is an integral part of our community and our country. And I think it's a little bit misunderstood. Uh, you know, and, and, and no, I don't want to say just the Business Development Bank of Canada. I think a lot of entrepreneurial supports are misunderstood. And so one of the goals that I set out to do with this show was to shine a light on some of the things available to people um, to help them succeed. Because I think, I think if more people understood what was available to them, more businesses would succeed. Yeah, well, they don't know what they don't know, right? And it is, I, I can't tell you how many times seeing an entrepreneur for the first time, they're like, oh, we didn't know you did that. And they'd had, they'd even had a 10 year relationship with BDC, let alone the other institutions as well. So uh, half of the struggle is getting in front of the right people. Um, and then the other part is just showing value. And uh, that's, that's the best part of the role, to be honest. So uh, yeah, there's two sides of the BDC, you had Rob Lejoie on before, and that's sort of the finance side of it. And again, it's not a bank bank. It's not a debit card and, and bricks and mortar. It's a federal government owned bank that is dedicated to entrepreneurs only. Yes. Um, and, and the flip side of it is, is advisory services, which is consulting. And that's the side that I, I reside in. So um, we work obviously very close together, but two completely different offerings to, to, the, to the entrepreneurs. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, with Rob, I had him take us back to the beginning of his career and run yeah. us through how he ended up with BDC. And he had an incredibly impressive career as well, spent yeah. basically all of it within the BDC, which was mm -hmm. very impressive. I was very impressed by that. Yeah. And uh, and Rob's character, too. He's just such such a kind and, and smart person. I really enjoyed that conversation. Yeah, he's a good guy for sure. I Different for me, though. I've only been here a year and a half. Uh, you alluded to born and raised in Edmonton. So it was, uh, you know, opportunities with working with some of those national companies that you talked about to leave, but um, it's family first for me. And so my parents and sister are here. My family goes out to the lake, like you'd mentioned as well. So for me, it was just about what are you going to do in Edmonton and what, what are you going to do to create the quality of life that you want to do? So I, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do coming out of high school. I played hockey at a fairly high level and the dream died in the 16 and 17th year. <laughs> um, but uh, I just always knew that I wanted to do something creative. So I actually tried to get into Grant McEwen uh, with their advertising and public relations uh, course, but my math 30 mark wasn't high enough. And again, don't get me going on how that didn't really matter, but that's just yeah. sort of <laughs> check the box type of if stuff. So I ended up going to Nate. <laughs> yeah. Um, in business and, and the options for second year Nate were marketing, finance, accounting. And, and again, I was so focused on the creative stuff and not really liking the number stuff, which the irony of working for a bank is, is there. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, just finished with a marketing diploma from Nate and then spent a year backpacking in Australia. So wow. was, yeah, finished, I left at 22, came back at 23. And by that time, so many of the people that I went to school with and my high school friends had either graduated from U of A or, or Nate or Grant McEwen were working. So it was sort of time to get going, but still didn't really know what I wanted to do or where this path was going to go. But I knew I wanted to be flexible. I knew I wanted to be customer facing. So that really led to sales. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny because I hear you talk and, and, you know, I'm a lot younger than you, but I still, I see myself. I like, that's, that's, that feels like exactly my path too. It was like, but I think I was 23 by the time I figured out that, you know, I think I'm on the right path. Mm. Yeah. Well, I needed a job. So I got it. My first job, like real job after school was collections at TELUS. Oh, wow. And this is like landline only monopoly. It was everybody's only way of communication back at the time. Shaw hadn't got into the game, all these places. It was, it was tell us and tell us only. So it was yeah. just a bunch of 23 year old yahoos drunk with power that you could cut off phones if people weren't paying their bills. So it was just a really, really <laughs> interesting gig. And then I had a bunch of friends that were in outside sales and I sort of found that life intoxicating a little bit, right? You got the company yep. car, you got to wear nice clothes. You got to be in front of customers uh, the thrill of the, the the thrill of the chase, the the reward financially and lifestyle of sales, and so I knew I couldn't sit behind a desk. So that really started at Grand and Toy when I was 27 years old, and and that was really the start of what now sort of is the 24 year journey of this career for sure. Do you mind if we stay there for a second? Yeah. Just because you have spent you spent an incredibly long time at Grand and Toy, 2000 to 2012, yeah, and you did everything from director of business development to district yeah. sales. Dude, what? Like, obviously, you've been through it. You know, like, I didn't get into business development myself until, you know, 
the end of 2012. Yeah. And so how has it changed? What was it like back then? What was it like in the early 2000s? I Granite Toy was like 10 degrees at university for me. There was so much learning in there because it was the real world. And 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 I will say to this day, it was it, by far the most strategic sell of anything that I've ever been involved with because it is high volume, low dollar, and it touches everybody. So the total cost of procurement of, of office supplies is insane. So it had to be, it had to be a strategic sell because it was one of those things that you think it's just pens and pencils, but everything yeah. had to be okayed by the CEOs and the presidents. And really, we, we, we really cut our teeth in the mass sector with, with hospitals and, and universities and, and, and big things like Epcor and that type of stuff where they would spend $7 million a year on what Grand and Toy would sell. And if their order size was $20 versus $150, the, the cost of that to the organization. So I loved every bit of Grand and Toy. I loved, you know, starting when I was 27 in business development was, was absolutely just eat what you kill, full yeah. commission, go wow. out there, knock down the doors, um, just young and dumb, didn't know anything, right? Just went out there yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and then moved into sales leadership probably two years after that. And I was all in sales leadership until a year and a half ago when I started at, uh, at, uh, BDC, but I loved, I loved my time in sales leadership and I loved it because everything was different. It was d dealing with the people. It was dealing with multiple different companies. It was, it was helping people get better. It was seeing the success of other people that rolled up into your success. Yeah. Um, I've sort of, when I started in sales leadership, I sort of found my place for sure. Man. Yeah. Like I, I think back to the start of my BD career and I was 23, <laughs> right? And same yeah. as you, right? Oil and yeah. gas, right? We're in, we're in Edmonton. That's, that's yeah. our world, right? It basically, yeah. you know, I, always, I used to tell people, it doesn't matter if you work for McDonald's, you work for oil and gas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? It all goes somewhere and that's where it goes. Well, if you decide to stay in Edmonton, that's the, you know, that's the butter that butters the bread, right? And so everything's connected to it for sure. It is. It is. And it's like you have to when you work in the industry, I think you see it. I think you can get disconnected if you do, yeah. if you don't have the connection or you haven't seen it. But mm -hmm. it really does. Almost everything we do at some level support is supported by an oil and gas worker. Yeah. Like it's mm -hmm. it's crazy. Um, but yeah, obviously being young in that time, uh, mm -hmm. you know, just happened to be the time that I entered the industry was the time that, you know, a lot of these older oil and oil and gas execs were still at the top, but now they're 65, you know I mean? They're at those retiring years. Mm -hmm. And I remember being the young punk in the room and thinking, oh crap, how the heck am I ever going to build a relationship with these people? <laughs> like we are, we are three generations apart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, oh, for sure. Like, again, I'm dating myself, but I would say that the, the hugest difference between starting at 27 and where I'm at now is just the, the education and the philosophy and the strategy behind buying, right? So yeah. before it was, you know, I'm generalizing, but before it was relationship driven, it was the, who's the cheapest, it was what have you done for me lately, there was kickbacks and incentives and programs and all those different things right now. And now you've got a two year degree or diploma program at Nate in, in purchasing and procurement, right? So it's, yeah. you know, dealing with some old school guy and then the next day you're dealing with someone that's 23 that just came out of Nate and has, you know, a checklist of 65 things they're looking for vendors and it's, you know, you know, uh, the environmental concerns and carbon footprint and all those different things that now yeah. companies who sell stuff have to have answers for and responsibilities mm -hmm. to like it's just completely changed in the 25 years that i've been in the gig for sure oh i bet like it's completely changed in you know in the 13 years that i've been yeah. doing it right like it's <laughs> it really does the the world is changing so quickly mm -hmm. technology is evolving so quickly that yeah. i always tell people you're you know, I mean, no matter what you're an expert in you're only an expert until yesterday because tomorrow is a brand yeah. new day and it really is like we, <laughs> that's never been more true i'm sure there was a time in history when you know, if you learned a skill, that skill was probably the same for your mm -hmm. entire career, like not a whole lot changed. But yeah. the rate of change now with technology, with like you said, just simple things like ESG and what people value. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I would say business is being tipped on its head probably every five years at this point. 
Yeah, and I think it, the sales game and the business game's always been who's the most nimble and and reactive, right? Like you can proactively go out and and build a brand that attracts people, but at the end of the day, right now it's it's so customer driven, and it's it's almost like you know as the as the company that's going out there and selling a service or a product, you're almost getting interviewed back by the by who who you're trying to sell to because yes. there's just different stipulations and different wants and 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 smarter, more strategic people on the other end of it, which is great because that just yeah. makes a better or long-term relationship built on the right stuff. Well, I think what it's ultimately doing, and I don't want to say that we didn't create win-win scenarios in the past because I'm sure we did plenty. Yeah. But I think it's never been more important for a buying decision to create mm-hmm. a win-win solution with your customer. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I knew like 14 years of Grand and Toy with I think four different positions. Um, they just were purchased by Office Depot and, and a lot had changed and there was an offer for a package. And I was just like, yeah, you know, it was a different business. It was time to go. And I really wanted to get into something that was more oil and gassy. And with, and so knew some guys that had switched. It was Acklands Granger at the time, yep. which is now Granger. Um, but it's, it was far more industrial than oil and gas. And there is a difference, right? Industrial is machine shops and, and like the finnings and the OEMs and that type of stuff. Um, but it did give me definitely access to a different type of, um, customer. Whereas the decision makings for most of the office supply stuff were either CEOs, CFOs, and and office managers and directors of procurement, where a lot of the day-to-day decisions based on Ackland's Granger stuff was the guys in the shop, right? So you like polar opposite <laughs> needs, wants, and experience. Interesting. What did you notice? Obviously, that was a big difference. What would yeah. you say was the biggest difference of those of those two um, you know, buying personalities? What I really liked about the guys in the shop is that they were ones doing the job and they knew what they needed to do the job well and safe, where sometimes at a really, really high level in a boardroom, they're disconnected from the users of the product or the service, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that was the big difference. And uh, Granger was phenomenal because I got to do so many unbelievable things. I got to do tours of the jail. I got to ride tanks, shoot guns, all the different stuff, right? <laughs> Yeah. So So I went from every boardroom and and, and educational institution at Grand and Toy. Now I've been every every machine shop, uh, mining camp and uh, uh, every gas plant in the world. So it was it was a great it was like 180 on how you would approach selling. But again, I was a sales leader. So it was my guys and gals doing it. So it was just a different approach how to lead them. Right. So it was. Yeah. I wasn't the doer, I was the manager and, 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 and leader, but that changed the way that I led because it was different industries, different type of people and different type of customers. Yes, yes. And, you know, obviously leadership is way different. And I, you know, I mean, if you're like me, you probably led by example, right? You didn't tell people to do things that you didn't do. You said, this is how I do it. This is how I want it done because this works. Yeah. What, what was some of the takeaways that you got from that <clears throat> leadership experience? just don't ask people to do something you can do yourself. Right. So I was two miles down in a mining shaft looking at a machine because why would I send someone else down there if I didn't do it myself? Right. And so one, because I hate being in an office so that <laughs> like, I'm not a hero. I just like, I also just hate doing that. So I like being out all the time. We'll just edit this part out so that you sound like a hero. How about that? <laughs> no, hey, that be real. <laughs> But anytime you spend time with the people that you're managing and leading, it's if it's windshield time, it's in front of customers, whatever, you're building rapport, you're getting to understand them. And you're, you know, you could have 15 people that report to you and they're 15 different personalities and their drivers are different, right? So I just love spending time with the people that, that were on my team yes. and uh, had lots of success in that model of building a, I, I hate the word family in business because if we get into it later, you'll you'll understand that. But just building a really good um, community around your team and working for a company that sort of supports that too, which is great, right? Because I've always had a boss too. I'm not yeah. an entrepreneur. I've always had a boss. So, you know, I've, I've seen good leadership and bad leadership and sort of yeah. tweaked my foundation of how I roll based on some of the good and bad stuff that I've seen. Well, some of the best leadership I've ever seen. I know that we we kind of avoid the family or the F word. 
But I'll tell you what, some of the best leadership I've ever seen in organizations comes from organizations where the values are similar. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. It's just if you have everybody working to support the next person beside them, it just gets done better. It gets Mm -hmm. done quicker, more effectively and right. Yeah. And yeah, I get it. We always try because it's like business. We try to keep it like, you know, business, right? But the reality is if you work right next to somebody day in, day out for weeks and weeks and months and years, it it does start to become like family. And yeah. but but the, the other side is there is a benefit to that. I think it starts to struggle at larger teams. I agree with you completely. I think mm-hmm. that large organizations, it does not work well. But I think smaller organizations, mm-hmm. specifically mom and pop style shops. Yeah it is incredibly beneficial to have that level of relationship. Hey, that, like this is the world I live in now, right? I would say probably 50 to 60% of the entrepreneurs that we get in front of are fa- it's either second, th- first, second or third generation and there's family working within there. So it's, it's, it's opened my eyes to what, um, how it can work effectively. And, uh, and when you've got a family business, there's so much emotion involved in it. There's so much skin in the game. There's so much legacy to that, um, that it's really interesting to sort of navigate through, um, these people making decisions based on business acumen versus emotion. It's been probably Mm -hmm. one of the biggest Mm -hmm. things that I've seen in the last year and a half. And it's been great to see because, you know, you love to see people who are great people succeed. And that's, yeah, basically my whole job at BDC. So it's like it's it's a sweet gig for sure. It's an awesome gig. And I know talking with you, that was kind of the vibe I got is like, you know what? That's cool. You're doing exactly what you were meant to do. I have no yeah. question on that, Jason. You know, you're absolutely right, though. The investment, right? Like, I think you talked specifically about a family owned business, right? Like, mm-hmm. obviously, capital, my, my business is a small family owned business. Like, we're only three years old. We're growing. We're learning. We're doing it all. But like, the investment that you get in your organization when it when it is yours, mm-hmm. it is something else. It's not the same. It's not the same as like, you know, uh, a privately owned corporation that's owned by or that's managed, say, by uh, sh- private shareholders or something along those lines where it's like, you know, yeah. if it works, it works. I feel like mm-hmm. the investment that you get when it's your organization is it has to work. So we're going to do whatever it takes to make sure yeah. it does. Right. Like, right. It, yeah, it's it when you're when you work for a company like Granger or or, or Telus or Purelater, like it's 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 not really their money, right? Yeah, it's not. It's their job. It's you know you you meet people that are very invested in their job. You meet people that are just there to collect a check and paint by numbers. And so it's a different, it's a completely different experience walking into a machine shop in Edmonton where um, it's a family-owned business and this is how he puts food on his kids' table. The discussion's completely different and it's so authentic and, and so again, like it keeps going to the emotion of dealing with entrepreneurs because it is, it's, it's everything to them and, and it's a big responsibility. And that's, again, it's a big responsibility to take on, but it's the best part of it when it, when it works out. Yeah, no, it is. It is. And, you know, let's just, let's just head into it. Right. (laughs) Um, Obviously the last episode that we did was very Mm -hmm. much on, what is BDC? How did it get started? Um, yeah. You know, we got we got Robert gave us an absolutely amazing you know <laughs> background and history on Good. BDC and why it exists and how it's evolved throughout the years and where it sits today. And then he gave us a rundown on the financial services. Mm-hmm. But the financial services is just one part, mm-hmm. one part of the whole machine that is Business yeah. Development Bank of Canada. The one that I'm really excited to speak with you today on is advisory services because you guys do an absolute ton. And I think most people, they don't have an idea what BDC actually does. No, just even when I change jobs and and post it on LinkedIn, like I have over, whatever, 1,500, everybody's got a million, but so so many people reached out saying, what? Like, and these are people that have been in business in this marketplace and in Western Canada for 30 years. So it was an eye opener to realize um, what the education level needed to be um, for the area that I was responsible for. Um, and it's, it's a, it, it is part of the banker's jobs as well to go out yeah. there and have existing warm relationships and say, hey, I'm going to bring an advisory in. Um, but there's a component of my job, which is you know, personal networking, um, events, um, 
finding the right customer, that type of stuff too. So there's, you know, there's four or five different streams that, that come into me on a daily basis, hopefully to stay busy. Um, but that's one of them for sure. But yes, not a lot of people know about advisory. Um, if you, if you don't know BDC, so at the end of the day, I think if you talk to talk to every client partner across Canada at BDC, everyone would explain it a bit differently because it's how and what it means to you and what it should mean to the customer. So the way that I explain advisory services is it's consulting services offered by BDC. You don't have to be a BDC financial client to, to use consulting and advisory services, but for the most part, that's the cohesive relationship as you're already a partner with us and on the finance side, and then we come in to see where we can help. And the way that I explain it, and I'm sure there's a very stoic, uh, you can find it on our website, advisory services, uh, uh, a chapter a chapter yeah. on what it is. Here's here's what, here's what how I explain it to, to customers that we sit in front of and just when I'm sitting around having a beer with, with another business associate. Um, there's really three silos of of what we do. And within each silo, there are multiple programs and the programs are built around a methodology and a delivery methodology on on how we want to help the entrepreneur but obviously every business is very very different and unique so the foundation of the the methodology is there and then it's customized so there's three silos the first silo is how do i grow my business and so within that there's a lot of programs around sales and marketing um, website growth and technology. So it's strictly a customer that's in a very healthy spot that wants to grow their market. Um, there's a, there's a big component of international expansion in there. So it's just pure growth from a healthy organization going into a different market or redefining their market or going after different customers or finding out what their brand strategy is. Um, all those different things. So in that silo is how do I grow? The, the second silo, which I spend 90% of my time in, <laughs> is how do I know I'm growing profitably? Mm -hmm. So I would, so within that, a lot of operational efficiency programs, um, quite a few financial management programs. Um, and, and that's really generic because you just, just even under operational efficiency, that could mean 63 different things to different people. Sure. And where and financial management, it really means understanding how to run your business based on profitability and and finding out how to use your business, how to use your money smartly looking forward, how to predict things, how to forecast. Um, and I'll get after I tell you the third silo, I'll tell you why we spend most of our time in that silo. And the third silo is how to keep up with the growth. And that is a lot around technology, um, a lot around Human resources, and this is probably the last time you'll hear me say the word human resources, because that sort of has the connotation of paint by numbers and 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 rules and that type of stuff. We at BDC call it people strategies, especially around Northern Alberta, because it's about attracting the right people and retaining the right people. Because probably yeah. the number one thing we run into in the you know, manufacturing and oil and gas and all the way up to Grand Prairie to Fort Mac to Fort Mackay, all those places is just keeping people. Yes. Right. So yeah. how do I keep up with the growth? And because we, we see customers grow too fast um, at the detriment to their organization and to their, their cash flow. So those three things, how do I grow? How do I grow profitably? And how do I keep up with the growth? And inside those three silos are a bunch of different programs um, that are super customizable um, to what the customer needs. And we can blend them and that type of stuff. But the philosophy, myself, I'm a generalist. I go out there and with all the bankers and meet people and, and, and see if there's an opportunity for us to help. And then the next step for me is to bring in a business advisor of that very specific silo and yeah. a specific area of that silo. And when the customer decides to move forward with us, behind myself and the business advisor is an entire net national network of delivery consultants yeah. that are former entrepreneurs, CFOs, CEOs, presidents, directors of technology. So I keep on, I always want to say to the customer, the resources that you're being given and that you have access to with us is just something you wouldn't have if you didn't know us, right? Yeah, yeah. 
I think when people see the Business Development Bank of Canada, what they see is loans. They they don't they don't they don't understand that it's actually yeah. so much more. And I think mm-hmm. that was the really cool takeaway and the reason that I wanted to have this interview was that that's just one part, one like mm-hmm. and I don't want to say small part cuz it is a big yeah. part, but it's just one part of a of a very large machine mm-hmm. and it really is a bank for entrepreneurs. That's all it's for. That's all it is. It really is the focus on entrepreneurs and the way that everybody is is compensated is purely built on the health of the, of the customer. So, listen, like I've got 25 years in the sales racket. I know it's about you know, it's always about chasing the carrot. It's about the it's about hitting your budget. It's about hitting your goal. It's about winning the national sales trip. It's about, you know, money, money, money. And figured sales guy, it should be about that. This isn't built around that. It's not about choking something down a, a customer's throat because you need to hit a budget. This is about the health of the organization because healthy companies pay us back quicker and take other loans out. So the rub is that we're in it for the long term of the relationship too. We're not the one and done guys that come in and, and do the project and then leave you. You know, every project has a start to end date, but the relationship is for the continuing throughout the the term of your entire business. We're always yes. there, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was definitely one of the key takeaways from our conversation was they're like, you're like, dude, I get calls like all day long from past customers just talking to me or asking me a quick question. And it's like, it's no big yeah. deal. Like, that's the relationship we have now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the second part of that, too, is that we should become a resource. I, I sit in front of customers all the time, and it's not about them you know, signing up for a mandate. It's about helping them with their business and becoming that resource and using my, you know, modest connection of people in the industry and in the market um, to say, hey, this guy's going to give you a call. He's gone through this. And, you know, that's that's just part of one, being a nice guy to building that relationship. So when they do need something and want to do something, they come to us the next time as well. Yeah, yeah. I was doing some research ahead of the show, specifically on advisory services, because I also wanted to get up to speed so that I kind of knew what was going on. And some of the statistics are actually a little bit unbelievable. Mm -hmm. So 40 years of advisory services. That is crazy. Um, You know, obviously, when we got into this, it was originally started to support the transition away from the war effort. That was kind of the original purpose of of the Business Development Bank of Canada was to help companies who had all transitioned to support the war effort get back to building refrigerators instead of bombs. (laughs) (laughs) And and obviously that evolved throughout the years as to not just large industry, but how do we help small industry? And then obviously now, yeah, 40 years of advisory services. You guys have a 94% satisfaction rate. Yeah, yeah, that's important. Well, we measure that. We measure what the customer thinks of us more than more than really anything. Um, and yeah, it's a pretty good number. Um, and really, I think how how the programs work is that you you know there's milestones um, set out at the start of the program so that you know that you one are on track with what you want to get out of it. Yeah. Two that we've also keep you know, kept you accountable to being engaged in the, in the program. Um, but mostly you see the value in it already so that we can move to the next step. Um, and I think that there's, that works the best because one, um, you know, there's not a ton of money up front and then you're not getting what you want. And then it builds resentment. Um, two, it just keeps the customer accountable because there's a, there's a quite a, significant vetting process before I move forward with any customer because they have to be in it for the right reason. They have to be in it. They have to have the time. There could be, there's so many entrepreneurs that are run off their feet that just don't have time to figure this out. And that's not the type of person that we need to partner with because we need you to engage in this process so that we can assess what's really going on and and help you build your business. So the 94% is, is a great number. But a lot behind that is a lot of checks and balances to make sure that the customer is happy throughout it so that we know if we're off track, we can get on track. So we're we're sort of massaging that 94 through it to make sure that everybody is satisfied. No, but that makes a lot of sense, right? Like 
you should know before you take on a project, and obviously that's a capital, we do that, right? We, we evaluate, can we actually accomplish this goal? Can we help mm-hmm. this customer actually achieve this? Is this realistic? Or do we need to come back to them and say, hey, <laughs> I think maybe this is something we could actually do. Does that make sense for you? But you're absolutely right. There needs to be like a essentially a pre-qualification process mm-hmm. where you can make sure that, yes, my services are the right services at this time for this customer. Because you're right. I don't want to end up in a situation where the customer's pissed off at me because I can't deliver. And, yeah. and I want a 95 or 100% satisfaction rate too. And how do you do that? You're right. You pre-qualify and make sure you can actually deliver what they need. Yeah. And again, they have a pre, mostly have a pre-existing relationship with the bank already. So for me, there's there's an accountability to me to come in and, and, and enhance that relationship rather than Sure. <laughs> <So>. Yes. <laughs> yes. Kind of important. Must be uh, must be fun to, you know, I mean, obviously, it's a massive team behind the scenes with you at BBC. Yeah. That must be interesting yeah. to navigate. I know that it can be challenging sometimes working between multiple departments. Mm-hmm. How does uh, that um, work behind the scenes? It's, you know, it's, again, I, I spent 25 years in private industry. So there was always you know, rules and, and methods and and different things that had to be accomplished. And there's a lot of ch- check boxes working for a company like BDC. Um, what I love about the team that I work with here in, in Edmonton and Northern Alberta is that we're on the same page and it's all about the customer. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of them have a lot of great experience navigating internally. So that's not left to me a lot because I'm not super great at that. Um, but when we get into the the business advisors and the delivery consultants part of them, just unbelievably smart, nice people that are doing this because they want to contribute back. They don't have to. Most of them are in retirement age that are could run their own business and go do their own thing. Yeah. So even at that level, from you know, from the banker and I going out to to my boss to the delivery consultants, the delivery consultant boss. The focus is solely on the entrepreneur and it is just unbelievably refreshing. And, and I haven't seen anything different from that in the first 18 months. So I'm, so I would say that's probably how it is. And again, you you foster your internal relationships are equally as important to your external ones, especially when you're navigating through projects and, 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 and a bunch of different things. But I think, you know, teams has sort of opened up the world that you can, you can, if I've got a, if I've got a retail strategy brand specialist out of Toronto that's worked with some of the biggest brands, then I can bring him into a project here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, because they don't need to fly down here and spend the time. Yeah. So it has yes. really opened up the opportunity for someone to to have a very, very unique, special, custom-made expert working on something in our small little town out here in the West. Right. So it's yeah, it's really cool. And you touched you touched on something that's like so critical in business, and that's that's relationships. And then I want to take that a step further and talk about trust, mm-hmm. right? With what you do, people are trusting you with some pretty big things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. They're asking you to guide them on a path that if yeah. it goes poorly, it could sink them, their family, their business. Yeah, you know what I mean, like trust is so important in what you do. Can you maybe take some time and elaborate on, on how you establish that trust with a customer? Yeah, it is. For myself personally, I take it as an incredible responsibility because again, it's, you know, it's, it's their money. It's their livelihood. It's their legacy. For the most part, you've, they've, you know, people have three or four different family members working in it. They're, planning to build it, to hand it off to their kids. It's like, it's a yeah. huge responsibility. Um, I think it really, I, I the, the sort of courtship process of it is, is for me, can be quite long until I 100% have vetted it to know that they know exactly what to expect. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a stigma out there about consulting, right? Like if someone's been burnt back in the eighties and nineties and two thousands, you walk in and they're like, Oh yeah, no, we don't do consultants. Right. It's, but that's just the nature of the beast. Most people, you know, you can put a no solicitor sign on a door and not allow salespeople in. What other job can you say? No, <laughs> you can't come in. Right. So yeah. <laughs> could you imagine? Yeah. No, no nurses. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
So you're, I've never thought about that, but you were 100 yeah. right. That's so funny. There's no other job that someone could put a sticker on their door not allowing you in. It's yeah. But it, it, you, you have thick skin, and if you're in the sales game long enough, I was going to say, um, how many times did you just? I didn't see that. Exactly. I don't know what a solicitor is. Yeah. yeah. No, it, you you hammered it out. Trust is the number one factor, and and I'll give a lot of credit to, um the bankers they're called bdls by com bankers that have the existing relationships because they've built that inherently yes. in there so there's not only trust that's been built between bdc and the customer already then the banker has to have trust in me that i'm going to come in and do the relationship justice yeah so there's trust internally and then there's trust externally um but the number one thing that i do is my first couple meetings with the customer i said tell me about your business i'm not coming in with any preconceived notion i'm not coming in with any agenda or pitch yeah. um because it's i love sitting across and what i like to do is i like to walk around the the building or the shop too because i i feel you can tell a lot about the culture a lot about how these people lead a yeah. lot about how people interact with the owners and presidents to see you know what type of leader they are and and people they are of their word so i just really sort of roll, roll up the sleeves and 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 get in for a, a significant amount of time before we even move to what i think we're, where i think we can help and i think that when you when you are interested in them you become interesting to them yes and so yeah. that's where the trust is built for sure and we've walked away from stuff we've walked away from some of the greatest people because it's just not a great fit we walked away from some of the worst people because it's not a good fit they've mm -hmm. walked away from us because it's not a good fit this is this isn't 100% business right so yeah you're right it's like it's got to be a win-win scenario and and it's got to be something you can actually do you can actually yeah. help with right and so you're absolutely right and i you know i mean i hope what some of the takeaways that people are getting from this is it's really important to know your limits. It's really important to know whether or not you can actually accomplish something before you bite it off. And yeah, if that mm -hmm. takes a little bit of extra time to do your mm -hmm. research, it is worth every penny of that time it takes to do that research because yeah. you don't want to end up in a project halfway through and be like, oh my gosh, I don't think I can do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and and I think that 6% that isn't happy with it, that's just it, right? They just... Either we didn't vet it good enough, the, you know, something's changed. You know, we've had, con we, we've been de developing strategy plans with people and they've sold their business, which is great, right? Like you do, you, you're, you run the business, but um, for the most part, uh, and where that 94% comes in is it's just from the start of the program to the end of the program, there's been a great relationship built on trust and and philosophy that we're going in the same direction and that we are going to at the end of the program be there with you as you launch it as you work for your business as you manage this three to five year plan and uh, we're not going anywhere and i think that too builds trust mm -hmm. when when you know that it's not a one and done methodology of consulting right well, not to mention, if you're working with somebody for three to five years, it's pretty hard not to develop a pretty strong relationship yeah. with them. Yeah, no, for sure. We have like small business week mixers and stuff like that. And you should yeah. just the, the relationships that, that we have with our clients, much like most companies have relationships with, with their top clients as well. That type of stuff. It's, it's a great, it's a great, I love hearing success stories of, of companies locally um that we helped with and then they come and they meet other ones and that peer-to-peer -peer connection and and just using the resources past you know working on the program and continuing to see what other programs will help like that's the value of it right it's sort of developing strong relationships healthy companies and repeat repeat business and relationships yeah and 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 you know like you said just like the sheer reach of of available experts that you guys mm -hmm. have in your roster right yeah. i think i was reading online it's over 500 different subject matter experts across yeah. the country like i can't think of anything you probably couldn't find a subject matter expert for <laughs> well you know when we do we do a lot of financial management for um uh trucking companies and manufacturing companies and so we've got a we've got a delivery network of of people that have been in that business run companies um understand trucking and manufacturing better than probably the entrepreneurs themselves where would you have where would you get that expertise right so yeah. um we do a lot of work here in northern alberta with a lot of the manufacturing and and trucking and transportation companies a lot yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's usually that's it's usually right in that second silo 
It's usually in that, how do I know I'm growing profitably? Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. Because not being really challenging at a, at a, at a, once you get to a larger scope. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, one of the things we talk about, and I'm stealing this from a really smart guy in Toronto that came in and talked to us, it's the, um, you know, a lot of this, and I'm generalizing in Northern Alberta because there's so many different types of businesses, but what we run into significant amount would be companies, you know, people that started working for a big oil and gas company or a big manufacturing company and then said, I can do this part of this better and jump out and start on their own. And so it started with one truck at $0 and now it's $11 million company with seven trucks and and your friend is this your friend is the accountant yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you so you've just all of a sudden graduated to not working at a, a company you own you've you've created a corporation yeah and at some point for entrepreneurs um you just can't do it all mm -hmm. so it's we call it a crisis of delegation where we deal with a lot of customers that are in the crisis of delegation you need to, right? So it's like, I, I've been everything to everybody. I've worked 20 hours a day. Yeah. This is getting too big. I've lost, I've lost why I've started this. I don't know how to keep running this the way I'm running it. I can't keep running it the way I'm running it. Yeah. How can you guys help? And it really is that crisis of delegation moment is just an entrepreneur saying, I want to go to, I want to take it to the next level and I just can't. Can you help yeah. us figure that out? Yeah. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I can see mm -hmm. people getting there, and and you're right. It's like it's like there's no like alarm bell that goes off and says, "Hey, congratulations, you've made it!" <laughs> right? Yeah. You're just you're there, and you got there the way that you got there. Yeah. But you're right. It it probably isn't sustainable the way that you were doing it. And sometimes I think it, it can be really hard, like you said, for entrepreneurs to see it a different way. And mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I even experienced this earlier with the way that we did proposals earlier in the year, where until it was laid out in front of me and I saw the better way to do it, it, it was like, oh, how did I not think of that? But I think it's really hard to see it sometimes from where you're sitting. You need that outside perspective. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's, you know, why was I making more money at a $7 million company than I am an $11 million company, right? Like those are the yeah. type of things that it's like, okay, you, you know, we will bring in some resources to help you understand your business, develop a model moving forward, you know, implement that model and, and help train you on how to manage that and then be with you forever on it yeah. and make sure that it's the right thing. Because if not, then we'll come back and tweak it. So that type of resource for entrepreneurs that aren't, you know, graduated business owners, right? Yeah. They're people that found a niche or a passion that they wanted to do. They started it and they've sort of maxed out on their business acumen to get it to the next level, which there is absolutely no shame in that. It, asking for guidance and help through a partner is just another aspect of being a smart business person. Yes, yes. And and like the scope of projects you guys can take on too is absolutely astronomical. Yeah. I was doing some digging, six thousand projects since twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. Six thousand. Yeah. How? <laughs> well, anything from a two million dollar pet shop to a hundred forty yeah. million dollar toy manufacturing company, right? So there isn't yeah. really anything Weird. that That's we don't, bonkers. yeah, we don't touch, right? Um, but again, those of those six thousand, it's we just have this unbelievably great relationship with a lot of entrepreneurs on the finance side that just really leads into the advice side. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's so much more than a bank. And that's why I wanted to do this. I really wanted to show people that there is so much more here than just yeah. money. There is, there is, there's complete support. Yeah. Yeah. And the programs run again, anything from 2 million to 2 billion. And we've got some very, very high end programs that you know the companies have to be 50 million plus they've got to have a leadership team and it's really built on taking your business to the next level having off-site education retreats in in kingsburg and toronto with with peer connections so it's not just the mom and pop um our wheelhouse you know here in northern alberta is very very you know five to ten to fifteen million yeah um that type of stuff. But nationally, we, we've got programs for high end, high revenue, high impact type customers. So if you're listening, just ask, connect with somebody, figure out what we can do, right? Yeah. 
What is like what is the overarching purpose and goal of BDC Canada? What what is it that you guys are trying to accomplish? Across the board, and I think it's again, I think it's on a commercial, it's just helping entrepreneurs reach their dreams. And that is like again, that's like marketing tagline, but that's it in a nutshell. Right? That's it yeah. in a nutshell is I, I'm a big local guy, right? So born and raised in Edmonton, not leaving. Um, I shop local, I eat local, all those different, like, a lo- so for me to, one of the things I said when I was, was looking at joining the job, is just like, just want to help at, at this point, because the last 25 years, it's in that sales game, it's been going after, going after them to get this product or service. And because I need to hit the budget, I need to do this, right? This, this job is helping entrepreneurs. Yeah. The bankers help entrepreneurs. The advisory services helps entrepreneurs. That's what it, that's what our entire mandate is. Yeah. And all of the metrics that are driven internally through, um, you know, through how we approach customers, how the customers feel about us, how long the programs are taking, how engaged they are post-program. Every metric that we measure is customer satisfaction based. Mm-hmm. instead of profit-based or growth-based. Yeah, it, it seems to me that because it's a crown corporation, it really mm-hmm. has to be about what's good for the people. Mm-hmm. It has yeah. to be. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and, I think, and I think on some level, and I don't want to single out other, other you know, services, other locations, things along those lines, but on some level, I do feel like that has to, that has to count for something. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, obviously we need our banks. We need, we need our support services. Right. Yeah. But, but in this particular case, being a crown corporation, it is in the government's best interest for Canadian business to succeed. And which is why I think this is maybe in your best interest as well. Yeah. That's just the, that's the messaging from the minute you wake up to the minute you stop working is, is it's, it's for the customer. And that's, and if it's not, if you're not that type of person, then it doesn't last here for you, right? So, yeah. yeah. You know, like we've done a lot of talking. We've talked about advisory services. Mm-hmm. Who is there? Is there specifically companies that you guys prefer to work with or that right now they fit a mandate? Like obviously in Edmonton, you know, we're a fast growing tech sector. Is mm-hmm. tech a priority? Are there companies that are more <laughs> of a priority than others at this time? I don't know if it's industry based um i think for 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 customers to have a successful advisory experience um they have to be coachable they have to be they have to want to grow or grow profitably um and they have to want to invest um a little bit of time and money on getting better i do, technology absolutely right so we we do a significant amount of technology mandates um and we're just we're just getting into ai all the different things right just trying to figure out how that you know well as a resource to customers they'll come and say well how how is ai going to work for me well we don't really know that yet but our resources we're putting a lot of resources to figuring out how we can assist and help customers that way but technology you know the federal government um launched a program two and a half years ago don't hang me on that called the Canadian digital adoption program, which was a grant program for uh, customers to um, reinvest in their technology, understand their technology, work better with their technology. And then the government would give them um, 90% back up to $15,000. And then you would have the ability to get an interest-free loan um, to go and execute what the recommendations are from that Canadian digital adoption program. So, you know, it's not, a, that's not a BDC thing. There's other people that can do that for you, but we really grasped it and said, Hey, like this is an opportunity for a lot of small to medium customers to really get experts to dig into your technology, help you be a healthier company on the federal government's grant dime, and then support you moving forward. That, that program's ending in September. Okay. We've been very, very successful with a lot of customers in, in doing that. Um, but it shows you to your point that there is a understanding that as, as a country, um, we are not in the top X percentage of companies that are best with tech. 
Okay. And that we need our Canadian companies to sharpen their skates a little bit and understand how technology can make them a better, healthier, stronger, more productive company. Yes. Yes. And I, I think whether we like it or not, that's going to happen. And, and I, I don't want to call it selection of the fittest or, you know, survival <laughs> of the fittest, but is that not yeah. what happens to people who don't, who don't keep up anyway? Like, I think what you're trying to say is we want more companies to make it without, without having to be survival of the fittest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And I would, yeah. again, like I would say probably 75% of the, I would say 80% of the businesses that we work with on advisory yeah. are healthy, smart, growing, proactive companies. We're not, you know, we're not conditioned to put out fires and, and, and be salvage dogs. We're, sure. we're working yeah. with companies that are really wanting to get better they know that better is better and they know they need to help getting better. And technology has been a big, big, big part of that. And just even like, you know, websites back in 10 years ago were, were just where you could find your product and order. Well, now there's, you know, every website used to be a selling website. It should be matching and attaching yes. different, yes. different items that go with that. It should be, you know, calculating return buys and building baskets and, you know, yeah. just even in that, it's just like, just because you have a website doesn't mean you're using your website to help your business. Yes. Well, I always say in the 21st century, your website is your 20 story skyscraper, right? It really yeah. is for, for any business, right? You can you can yeah. look or be as big as you want to be on your website. So you should do the best yeah. you can. <laughs> yeah. It's good on, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously we've kind of talked into it. We've talked to who's a good fit, what are the services mm -hmm. available. You know, one of the things that we talked about was you've had some pretty cool success stories. You don't have to name some names, but do you want to maybe just give us a couple success stories that you've been a part of? Yeah, I think, you know, just on the technology side, we worked with this company that uh, um, deals with uh, vintage games and, and, and vintage product. Super, super great company. They, they started, they have an ERP system that they had selected, but it wasn't really keeping up with their growth from a, from a shipping and inventory point of view. So we brought in a team again, not to reinvent what they were doing and tell them what they were doing wrong. We said, they said, this is what we use. How can we use it better? And we brought in a very, very experienced team on the ERP side to help them, you know, decide on a couple of different bolt-ons and they've grown their business three times in the last year and they started at 40 million bucks so wow. again it wasn't one of those things where they you know they, again i just they were doing really really great yeah but knew that they didn't have the resources to figure out how to fix this and that we did and so we brought in some experts that spent a significant amount of time figuring out how they want the next three five years to, to look because just fixing this for right now wasn't the fix it's how do we put something in place that grows with your business because you guys are going to the moon yeah so that's a good one because again it wasn't it wasn't so much um, the company was in peril. It was they knew they wanted to get better and didn't know how to get better. Yes. Um, and then we just, again, like, like I said, we work with a lot of trucking and, and companies. And there's this really, really great trucking and construction company here in Edmonton. They had four different opcos, all on four different systems, not reporting themselves. They had no idea where their money was going or where it was coming. So we sat down and we worked with them. Most mandates take, you know, most programs take six to eight weeks. We've been working with these guys for about a year to really fine tune a financial model that allows everything to roll up into one so that it's not just about where are things right now. Yeah. It's about how can we use our money to grow, expand? How can we work on our cash flow? Because cash flow is a big problem here yes. um, in Northern Alberta because the AR on a lot of people's businesses is 90 to 120 days yeah. and you're fronting the cash for the job. Right. So, you know, that's a generalization again, but we see that a lot. Mm -hmm. So, so another really strong company that knew that they needed to help to sort of figure out how to look at this thing as at a, at a really, really top level. And we engage with some of our top financial guys that have a construction and manufacturing and transportation experience to really build them out a dashboard and model so that they can, they can now grow and they're, they've already expanded into Calgary and Saskatoon just based on them understanding how to work their money better. Wow. Stuff wow. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I know we have a bunch of people listening right now, Jason, and they're thinking, okay, like this sounds really good, 
but how, what are some of the keywords you could maybe give them to just let them know, yeah, like we could help you. What are some of the, what are some of the problems they could be having that would, that would make them a great candidate to reach out to you? If you are wondering why you're not as profitable as you, you should be, give us a show. If you want to expand into the US and China, give us a shout. <laughs> um, if you want to revamp your website to make it a selling website and recreate your brand and market to the right people, give us a shout. If you want to um, completely revamp or tweak how you hire people and attract people and retain people, for sure, right? If, if there's so many things, I'm missing so many things. Uh, yeah. If you want to just grow your business, if you want to get it, if you want your business to be healthier, you want to just sit down with someone with no strings attached for some advice on on where we think we can help you and take it, give us a show. There's really nothing that we wouldn't entertain, but there's a type of person that is the type of person for advisory services and consulting. And that, like I said before, um, someone that listens, that's, that's coachable, that wants to grow their business or wants to get more profitable, that is, is willing to be vulnerable and, and show us your scars and warts so that we know exactly what we're dealing with. So again, it's just such a great job because you get to sit with so many really interesting people that are just trying to do their best and have done phenomenal and just listen to their story and see if you can help. So yeah, wouldn't turn away anybody to have that initial conversation for sure. Cool, cool. And you don't have to be a financial partner with BDC. And that's another big mm -hmm. thing too, is, you know, we run into saying, oh, well, I don't, I don't have any loans with you guys, so I can't use you. That's not the case, right? Yeah. Okay. The consulting and advisory services relationship is is also standalone. Perfect. And obviously, you're talking to an absolute ton of entrepreneurs around the world, Jason. <laughs> yeah, what would be, sweet. You know, what would be the best piece of advice that you think you could give them? Don't be afraid to ask for help. Even the best business owners and presidents of the world have a network of people around them to to bounce stuff off and to ask questions to, um, there's, it shows strength to me as a business owner to use all your resources. Amazing. Reach out, reach out, build a great network of people too. Right. So we're all the CPs are fairly connected. Um, and there's a lot of times where I talk to someone and said, yeah, it's really not my wheelhouse, but here's a guy. And I think that that is, is just smart business is to start to connect and, and, you know, the webs that happen under you with all the connections and who you knows and who you don't knows. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just about networking and reaching out and seeing if there's somewhere there that can give you a hand and better's better, right? If you're running a phenomenal business and, and you want to take it to the moon in the next three and five years and, and you want to, you need a little bit of help or resources or understanding where that can, how you can do that, you know, which puts you in front of the right people to help you do that. Yeah. Well, you hit on it earlier. You don't know what you don't know. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a lesson I learned a long time ago. And I take that into every yeah. single interaction I have because I'm well aware that I only know my limited experience. And yeah. there are going to be a lot of scenarios in my life where that's not going to be enough. And, and that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah. Because we're all there. Yeah. We, we, the, the long range risks of comfortable in action are often more expensive than, than the cost of action, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, so not, not doing it is going to cost you a lot more than doing it in the long run is, is typically what we see. Um, but you just have to, you just have to sort of figure out what you want and, and connect. Well, and, and the cool thing about this is, is that if people do recognize that this is where they're at and they're like, Oh no, you know what? I think I do need support. I think I do need these services but maybe we can't quite afford that right now. Yeah. We're in a cat. We're in a mm -hmm. tight cash flow issue. Like you said, there's, loan, sure. there's loans available through your service, right? So you can get both yeah. at the same time, which is also really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I typically, I bring the banker with me a lot and I go out with them a lot because, um, you know, the conversation heavily turns to what as a, as a whole organization can we do for the entrepreneur? So um, yeah. And again, you're right. It's, um, there's a lot of companies that are in cash flow situations that they they want to do, but they can't do. And we can talk about that as well, for sure. Awesome. If people are listening to this, Jason, and they're thinking they're resonating with this, they want to reach out to you or they want to reach out to BDC Canada. What is the best way for them to uh, get a hold of you? 
It's a great question because we don't really have sort of a national call center to defer. Um, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn and then I can, and then I'm pretty connected across the country and can get you in the right place at the right time with the right person for sure. Perfect. Perfect. Well, that takes us to the end of our show today, Jason. This has been episode 110. This is our part two of BDC Canada. We were on today with Jason Garner, partner of advisory services right here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Jason, it's been an honor. You and uh, Rob Lejoie have been amazing, amazing to interview. You brought so much knowledge and I think a great understanding to what the Business Development Bank of Canada is all about. And uh, on behalf of entrepreneurs everywhere, thank you for doing that. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Until next time, this has been the Business Development Podcast and we will catch you on the flip side. This has been the Business Development Podcast with Kelly Kennedy. Kelly has 15 years in sales and business development experience within the Alberta oil and gas industry and founded his own business development firm in 2020. His passion and his specialization is in customer relationship generation and business development. The show is brought to you by Capital Business Development, your business development specialists. For more, we invite you to the website at www.capitalbd.ca. See you next time on the Business Development Podcast. Business Rockstars, we at the Business Development Podcast humbly invite you to be part of our journey. Despite our global reach spanning over 130 countries and our status as an award-winning show, we remain committed to delivering valuable insights and engaging content to our audience of decision makers. With two episodes released every single week and a back catalog of over 100 episodes, we strive to provide our listeners with the latest strategies and trends in business development and business growth. Why consider sponsoring us? Our listeners trust us to deliver authentic, informative content, making it an ideal platform for you to showcase your brand in a genuine and meaningful way. Choose from flexible sponsorship packages tailored to fit your advertising needs. With a back catalog of over 100 episodes and an average of eight new episodes released every single month, there are plenty of opportunities for you to connect with our audience. If you believe that your brand aligns with our humble mission, Reach out to us at podcast at capital bd.ca. Let's start a conversation and explore how we can collaborate to elevate your brand together. Thank you for considering us. Send us an email at podcast at capital bd.ca and let's partner for the future.